Hello, and welcome to Let's Talk MedTech, the premier podcast for the medical device and diagnostics industry. My name is Omar Ford, and I'm the managing editor of MDDI, an online publication that covers diagnostics and MedTech. On this episode of Let's Talk MedTech, we're going to be speaking with Kwame Ulmer, a founder of MedTech Color, an organization that aims to build a cohesive community of leaders of color in MedTech increase the number of underrepresented executives who enter and stay in the industry and drive thought leadership. Kwame is going to update us about all the comings and goings of MedTech Color, talk about some new news coming from the organization and give us a roadmap of where MedTech Color is going in for the rest of 2021. But Kwame and I are also going to have a serious discussion about being a person of color in the med tech industry. We're going to share our personal experiences from being at trade shows and being the only person of color there to being in the boardroom. It's um, it's an important conversation. I can't wait for you all to hear it. A quick note, we did have some sound issues on the back end. Uh, so Apologies for that up front, but this is such an important conversation. Really wanted to get this out to you. So please bear with us through some of those uh, technical difficulties. Uh, but at any rate, let's get ready for Let's Talk MedTech with Kwame Olmer. Well, welcome, Kwame. Hey, welcome to Let's Talk MedTech. I'm so glad that you could join us for the program today. Omar, it's my pleasure. I've been looking forward to this conversation. Sure, sure. Same here, same here. I want to start off and talk a little bit about MedTech Color. And now this question is going to sound crass, but I have to ask it. Why the need for MedTech Color? The short answer is that companies are not realizing the uh, ability to make more money and drive top and bottom line and reach more patients because there aren't enough diverse uh, people at the table. If you look at the Bureau of Labor Statistics data on medtech professionals categorized by white, African-American, and Hispanic, um, for African-Americans, as an example, we are approximately 13% of the population, but we're less than half of all, uh, that percentage point is cut in half for medtech. And for executives, it's an even lower number. So we're not represented across the board, but we're particularly not represented as decision makers. And we have decision makers uh, from different ethnic groups uh, at the table. The McKinsey research has shown this for the last 10 years. You drive uh, better returns for your company. And that relates to and corresponds to um, more patient access in our industry. Sure. What was that first discussion like when it came to, to, to founding uh, MedTech Color. Can you talk a little bit about that? I was reading on the website that you all sat down maybe over dinner d discussing just the need or the role. Could you kind of give some more color to that? Yeah. You know, Omar, it was a group of leaders in the industry. Brooke Story, who at the time was at Medtronic, was at that dinner. Um, we had principals at top tier service providers who have people have been in the industry for 15, 20, 25 years, really seasoned people, and they all were African-Americans. And it was a moderated discussion, uh, but people felt comfortable, that group of 15 felt comfortable 
really sharing their challenges navigating this industry as as an African American. And there was enough really um, emotional and professional feedback for us to realize we had something there. There was an organization and there was a need because people said things like it's quite lonely. Uh, it's challenging switching, uh, code switching, for example. It's uh, the opportunities are few and far between. So we knew there was an opportunity to really grow an organization to meet the challenge that I talked about before. Awesome. 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 Now, you mentioned that lonely feeling, and I can tell you as an African-American male, when I first started covering the industry back in 2007, I had that lonely feeling whenever I would go to trade shows. Uh, I was with a competitor back then, can't really say the name, but uh, whenever I'd go to the bigger, the larger trade shows for the industry, I would oftentimes be the only one there. And mm -hmm. I, you know, there were a couple of times where I got confused for uh, I got confused uh, as a butler or or someone who worked in catering, you know, and I had my big, you know, um, uh, name tag on media and everything. And I was dressed up in a suit. So I, I, I echo those pains and I, I've been through that. I, I, I felt that. Yeah. You know, Omar. Uh, thank you for that. And this is very consistent with what we heard. And, and it, it really drove the first core objective for the organization, which was to build community, because um, it's lonely out there. I can remember, similar to you, um, I worked at the FDA and we would go on site visits. And it always stuck out to me that the folks assembling the products were often African-Americans, Latinx people, but the people who are giving me the tours of these facilities, and I'm not going to name the company, um, were white men, <laughs> you know, and that's one vantage point, And that's one key decision maker in building out products. But when you have people who understand maybe different patient populations or perspectives or have different lived experiences who are decision making um, or in decision making capacity, you you can drive better outcomes. You can drive higher returns. Exactly, exactly, without a doubt. And I think we need stakeholders. I mean, we need we need uh, more African Americans and people of color to reach over and to talk to uh, a segment of the population that might be weary of 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 getting the kind of care uh, that they need because there there's a distrust uh, in the community or there is a a, a perceived notion that hey, this might not be the best therapy for me because of, 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 of my skin color. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've had these conversations uh, with uh, folks at large companies, and I think there's the beginnings of a recognition that sometimes it's helpful if the leaders who are building these technologies, these solutions, look like the community is being served. Um, when I'm not uh, working for MedTech Color on a volunteer basis. I'm a venture partner at a, a healthcare fund. We invested in a company that's um, building a diagnostic for sickle cell. The CEO came from Hampton University, African-American, MD, PhD. Uh, but, you know, I think that adds some perspective as he builds out this solution, because many of the people who suffer from sickle cell are African-Americans in the U.S. And throughout the world, they're from sub-Saharan Africa. 
Um, that's just one example of um, how uh, diverse leaders can be impactful uh, in reaching more communities. Exactly, exactly. Well, let's transition to some of the latest news uh, from MedTech Color, and that's the partnership with the California Life Sciences to launch the FAST advisory program, uh, the MedColor, MedTech Color track. Uh, give me some background on that. So we launched our first pitch competition, MedTech Color did, in uh, the spring of 2021. And during that process of seeking out partners, we got to know uh, CLSI, the Institute, and they early on said, well, we want to look at ways we can partner. And specifically, we have this um, accelerator program, which I, unfortunately, I was a little embarrassed. I didn't know a lot about, but it has these outsized um, uh, metrics of success. I mean, if you get in this accelerator, you're going to there's a high likelihood your company is going to succeed. Um, and we started out with them hand-selecting um, two winners from our competition to be entered into the accelerator. One was based in California, one is out, outside of California that they're going to support. And then they said, we want to do even more. We want to uh, deepen the relationship. Are there mentors from within MedTech Colors membership uh, that could serve as advisors for our accelerator? Because I think, Omar, I know you've been in the industry for, for quite some time. Uh, for these accelerators, one key component are the judges and mentors. And we were able to source some uh, mentors, advisors of color from our network. Several of them, the names came from our corporate partners to, to add more dimension, more color uh, to that program. So we're just thrilled with the relationship that we've grown over the last several months with CLS. Well, with this partnership, does it give you a broader reach and uh, does it give you more recognition? Because I almost feel like, in a sense, uh, MedTech Color is is perhaps one of MedTech's best kept secrets. You know, Omar, thank you so much. So for context, we formally organized as a nonprofit in 2018, and we've been fortunate enough to have partnerships with, quite candidly, Omar, brands that are bigger than ours, from CLS to Medtronic has been a regular sponsor. They actually increased their commitment um, this year to Johnson & Johnson, to MedTech Innovator. So when we associate with those more recognized brands, it does help us reach more people. Because when we can say, oh, we have a pitch competition, but if you win this pitch competition, you can be fast-tracked into MedTech Innovator in their competition. Or you could be entered into a ResMed corporate accelerator, or you could be entered into the CLS. You could be handpicked to be in CLS's accelerator. It attracts more talent. Um, And one of the questions that comes up regularly is, is there an issue with talented CEOs of color in our industry and early stage companies? And we think our early data suggests the answer is no. We put out the call and we had um, nearly 100 applicants of products that were squarely medtech, digital health, or diagnostic companies. So we're excited about what we learned that first year, and I think that number of applicants is going to grow for next year. Oh, wow! Yeah, yeah, that's that's amazing, and that's great news. Um, do you see 
I want to kind of shift gears just a little bit um, and talk about maybe some entrepreneurs. And do you see do you see many entrepreneurs having um, entrepreneurs of color having roadblocks when it comes to getting the funding, getting the financing that they need from venture capital firms or even the direction that they might need someone to just push them in the right direction? direction. Uh, say you have someone who has a great device, uh, uh, serves a great need, but uh, might be a little bit lost with the mentorship aspect and and might need some additional help. Do, do you kind of see those scenarios playing out? Yes. I, I think there are two main areas where we see a need. Um, we The applicants that came to our pitch competition got r- relatively far along, and you know all about meaningful milestones in their journey, they were all pre-FDA clearance or approval or de novo granting, but they'd done a lot with a little bit of capital. And it got me scratching my head. Um, And and my hypothesis is on the good side, these entrepreneurs of color can do more with less capital. But the bad side of that is, you know, there's this opportunity for them to even be further along if they had more NIH dollars, more DOD dollars, more NSF dollars, more, more. Um, so that's the capital piece. And then yep. the mentoring piece, Omar, is um, the entrepreneurs that we come across. Some of them are your classic, you know, MDs transitioning to be a CEO of a medtech company, but some of them are non-traditional entrants who maybe were successful in the consumer space, but they want to try their hand at a digital health solution. And then that's when the mentors who are the KOLs, the people who've had successful exits come into play. And that's where I think MetaColor can play a role in tapping into our network to help them with what they don't know as a, as a first-time founder uh, of color with mentors. Yeah. And coming over from that side to uh, dealing with FDA is, is quite a hurdle for for a lot of people because oftentimes I've interviewed uh, entrepreneurs and they said, yeah, we've got this awesome idea. We're going through the regulatory channels right now. And once they deal with the FDA, not saying that the FDA is is you know, impossible or anything, but just FDA is a different beast. It's hard for people to understand. It's hard for the entrepreneur that has the idea, that is ready to go, that has the solution. It's hard for them to sometimes acclimate to a lot of the regulatory, uh, I, I guess, the, the the regulatory rules and, and needs from FDA. Yeah, I think there are two um, areas where companies may have blind spots, any company, but particularly a entrepreneurs of color, regulatory and reimbursement. Mm-hmm. And you, may, you make me think of an entrepreneur um, who I've come across. I don't know if she applied to the pitch competition. Uh, Ellington, I'm blanking on her last name. She's the CEO of a company called Sanavi Labs, and she has a reimbursement expert as an advisor, uh, which is great because she's thinking two steps ahead. But I mm-hmm. totally agree. Um, regulatory experts are rare. And if you can get them early on and reimbursement early on, um, you just de-risk the opportunity for investors a great deal. 
I want to go back now and and talk about that experience of loneliness. I want to touch on that one more time, but I want to touch on it from the angle of what would you tell the young uh person that's going into med tech that's going to either be an engineer or in uh this industry in any shape form or facet what would you tell them because you've experienced this loneliness you know i've experienced it and and it's hard Mm -hmm. you know it's hard i don't want to use my words to to talk about it uh but i i want to perhaps talk to you about it and and get an understanding of what advice would you give them well you know it's 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 true, and I 100% believe this, that tapping into a tribe inside your company and outside of your company um, will help you through those lonely days when, you know, you think maybe you're being held to a different standard or you got passed up for that promotion. Metech Color is one of those tribes. Um, There's always going to be, and this is kind of a nuance, and Omar, I'm I'm sure you've seen this. There's Mm -hmm. always going to be, one or two, and I'm going to use this term, token African-American leaders that's done well. And everybody mm-hmm. wants that person to be their mentor. And sometimes they're just mentored out. They, they have plenty of protégés. And, and so you may have to look outside of your company, but it is part of your job as a young professional of color to establish a group of mentors and advocates that have your best interest at heart. And, and and the one thing I would say is really, 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 this industry is, is, is a, almost by definition, a long game. And yeah. most people who enter it just really be thinking 10, 15, 20 years in terms of a full, I mean, I could even be considered a short career in medtech. And just really realize that the relationships and the people quite candidly are probably going to be around, <laughs> you know, and, and, just look at this as building long-term relationships that you're going to have for years on out. Um, so th- those are my thoughts, Omar. I-, I don't know if you have any thoughts because, you know, <laughs> you- you've been at this for a long time too, but that's my reaction. Yeah. I, I think you're right. When you say you have to develop a tribe, you have to have that support system um, because it can become very lonely. Uh, you know, I-, I covered a lot of trade shows early in my career and, and the trade shows is where the rubber hits the road, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be candid here for a second. Uh, I'm going to be candid here. But I was from a small town in South Carolina, had a very pronounced southern drawl when I started. Uh, I still have it, but it's not as bad as it used to be. But I had something from my father when my father, uh, he's deceased now, but he would tell me, son, always wear a suit, always wear a suit and a tie, always you know, come overdressed um, and be professional. Um, so I had a persona about me that I would say commanded a, a, a little bit of respect um, or it was uh, a little different. But at the same time, I still felt out of place. You know, whenever there were huge, uh, you know, you go to some of the trade shows and there were all these after parties and all these different things where you could mingle, I still felt alone. Um, you know, I'd just be the guy standing on the wall. Uh, but 
you know, friends and family know that I'm totally different from that. Uh, but once I got in and I talked about the information and I talked about um, what was going on in the industry, my knowledge of the business, of the industry, of the trends, that's what allowed me to to kind of uh, to kind of gestate and grow here. And it does take time. It does take time. You know, this isn't something you can be in for two years and and hit your stride. Uh, you have to be in it for a while. Yeah, I I, um, I totally agree. You know, I, I remember going to and we are Medtech Colors history is interwoven with the Avam, the Medtech conference. It used to be called Avamed. Um, and they have been a wonderful partner. At the same time, we've had really critical conversations about the attendance and getting more um, representation there. And they've been wonderful about supporting us. And, and really, the marquee event that we have is a networking breakfast that was born at the, the MedTech conference. But, you know, when you're the only one, you have to develop some skills and, and figure out how to connect with people um, instead of being on that wall. And I remember going through, the, through that same thing, you know, really quick, uh, Omar. I'll never forget it. I was at a $3 billion platform at Danaher. And every year we'd have a meeting of the top 100 leaders for that platform. So vice presidents and above. And I'd be, I was the only, this top 100, I was the only African-American there. And I scratched my head and said, this doesn't feel right, you know? But you have to figure out how to connect with people when you're the only. Um, and that's a muscle that you build over time. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I wanted to ask you now, um, I had this conversation with a good friend of mine, Marissa Fair. She's a CEO of uh, Her Health EQ. Uh, excellent organization, had her on the show, uh, had her on the last episode, but she was talking about the disparity among uh, women CEOs and, and CEOs of color for the larger strategics. Um, I'm going to ask you, what are your thoughts on more minority CEOs for the larger uh, med tech companies? And what do you think needs to happen for us to turn that uh, to turn that corner where we will see that uh, more minority leadership for the larger strategic companies? Yeah, you know, I can say this because I, I left corporate America a while ago. And so when you're out of it, I think you have a little bit more um, flexibility. Um, and my perception is the CEO, period, has mm -hmm. to direct target that are explicit. And, you know, we've been around long enough to know that there was a time when targets were perceived as not a good thing, you know, and maybe not being a level playing field. But if you're really serious about not having one or two token leaders in, in the, I'm talking about large strategics, you know, multinationals, um, you have to set targets and compensate people and incentivize people appropriately to hit those targets. And I'm, I'm going to just say this for 15 minutes, 15 seconds, of course. They have to be qualified and prepared and ready. But I don't think that's the issue. I think it's the issue is being um, really focused on it because there are leaders, the CEO of Stryker has been a great supporter of us. When they focused on gender diversity and they had targets, they will tell you that they hit them. 
Uh, and that's what it's going to take. And it's going to take people getting bonuses and performance evaluations based on that for us to really move the needle. Um, same thing goes for board representation. Uh, it has to be something that um, people really folk, the leaders focus on diversifying their board um, over the two to five to seven years that it takes for people to roll off boards and new openings to, to, to occur. Well, our time is drawing uh, to a close, but while I have you here, want to ask what can we expect from MedTech Color over the next, uh, for the rest of 2021? And I know yeah. that's, and I know that's wild considering what we're going through with the pandemic and how that puts a spin on everything, uh, different spin. But just what can we look forward to? You'll you'll see three great things happen in the next several months. One, uh, we our fourth annual networking breakfast, where Brooke Story is the keynote speaker, will actually be taking place uh, September 29th. So in just a couple of days in Minneapolis, Minnesota, you can live stream it. Two. Our first workshop uh, uh, for diversifying clinical trials being led by Vanessa Pollard and Netta Hanafi will launch in November. Uh, and we have a big, hairy, audacious goal to have 10,000 ethnic minorities uh, enroll in clinical trials for medical devices. And then the third is you will see an announcement for our second pitch competition where we expect to have more corporate partners and be able to invest more capital, non-dilutive capital in early stage companies. So those are the three exciting things that are happening for 2021. Amazing. I look forward to, to them to them all. Well, Kwame, thank you for being on today's uh, today's episode. I really appreciate it. And we have to get together and talk again sometime. Omar, I look forward to it. Absolutely. And thank you again for having me. No problem. Thanks. Take care. Take care. Hey, 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 hold up. We're not quite done yet. That was an awesome, awesome conversation with Kwame, but want to take an opportunity to talk to you about what's going on in MedTech. Say, hey, have you wondered what's driving next gen remote patient monitoring? Are you asking yourself, can Abbott carve out a space in the Taver market with Medtronic and Edwards Life Sciences being so dominant? And just why is the European Commission angry with Illumina? Well, if these are topics that you're interested in, and they probably are since you're listening to this podcast, um, you need to check out mddionline.com. That's mddionline.com. And what mddionline.com is, is it's a resource exclusively for original equipment manufacturers of medical devices and in vitro diagnostic products. The goal of MDDI is to help industry professionals develop, design, and manufacture medical products that comply with complex and demanding regulations and market requirements. It's also a place where you can find some of the best content about the medtech and diagnostics industry. You can also find this podcast there as well. So I hope you'll check it out. Please do. And until next time, take it easy.
Thank you.